Hello and welcome to the Cannon Cast, a Columbus Blue Jackets podcast on the Fans First Sports Network. I'm your host, PD. I'm the manager over at the Cannon, the site now on the Four Hockey Fans Network. Go to jacketscannon.com for more of our content. I am joined today by two time ESPN College Game Day star, Berka Circus. Berka, how's it, go- how's it going, man? Uh, good. It has been a completely normal past 48 hours in, with no- in which nothing extraordinary has happened whatsoever. Um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm kind of still in a bit of a state of shock, but not, uh, not enough to where I'm unable to record a podcast. So, Yeah, so uh, for those who, in case you didn't catch it over the weekend, uh, ESPN's college game day was in Columbus for the Ohio State Penn State football game. And just like last year when Burkus got on with a we signed Johnny Hockey sign, this time he got on there with a we drafted Adam Fantilli sign. And you're commenting on Saturday. You felt like this maybe got even more attention than the sign last year did. Oh, oh yeah, absolutely. Um last year I got the Blue Jackets Twitter and other socials to uh, tweet about it and that's about it um this year I, I got interviewed by nhl.com which was a uh freaking wild experience um uh basically what happened is after the original nhl.com article uh which there first off there was an nhl.com article i wasn't expecting that much uh bunch of people ended up tagging me and, and then the guy reached out and was like hey do you want to do an interview and i'm like uh i'm at work until five but yes absolutely um so it was it was uh yeah i i lucked out and got a lot better of a spot i kind of knew where to go this year instead of last year and i think i might have showed up a bit earlier i thought i showed up at the same time but judging by the number of people there i think i ended up being a bit early and that's all it took. Uh, so yeah, it, it was interesting and fun. Uh, I'm, yeah. I'm, I mean, you can see it very clearly right there over the host, Reese Davis, his right shoulder. And I think another thing that helped amplify it is that the university of Michigan hockey account also posted about it. Um, so I think definitely the, yeah. And, I, and a lot of my friends that are Michigan fans online that, uh, uh, we're taking notice of that, and they, you know, love the idea of all of these Michigan players that are having success in Columbus, and uh, which, yeah, I just kind of have to grin and take it, I suppose, because, well, it is what it is. Yeah, that that's a fun bit of irony to it <laughs> that many people, like, not many people, but like a couple people were like surprisingly angry about, and I'm like. <laughs> dude, I don't really care now that they're Blue Jackets. And I think I mentioned it in an NHL article, but, like, I would say on the current roster, well, not technically on the current roster, uh, my four favorite players are uh, Wierenski, Texier, Nick Blankenberg, and Fantilli. Three of those guys went to Michigan. Uh, So, you know, hey, it's working for us so far this year, uh, which, I mean – it's a, been a pretty good year so far. Yeah. So as we're talking, the Blue Jackets, after a kind of rough start in the first weekend, they have won their last two uh, back to back against Calgary and Minnesota. So they stand at three and two. They are technically in a playoff position as we speak. Uh, that probably not, isn't going to last, but hey, we'll take it where it comes. Let's uh, 
start with the subject of your sign there, Adam Fantilli, who got his first NHL goal on Saturday. It was a, an important goal in a game that was uh, settled in overtime. Uh, what has what have you felt about uh, Fantilli's start to the season so far? Were you at all concerned about the scoring drought, or did you think that it was just a matter of time? And and what do you think is going to happen now going forward? Yeah, no, I, I wasn't concerned at all because uh, I've only been able to see three games this year. The Rangers game, uh, I was at the Detroit game, and then uh, the Wild game. Fantilli probably could have scored like five times in those games combined. Uh, he, he could... He could easily have four or five goals this year right now. Uh, It's just like hockey is a game of inches and those bounces are going to start going his way soon and he'll be fine. Like I have zero concern right now. He's looked great. Uh, That whole first line with uh, him, YNA, who's looked pretty good at center. Uh, I know people seeming to be wanting to push him off of it, but like it's worked. Uh, and then Texier, I forgot how much I miss Texier. He's been really fun to watch back. Uh, but yeah, it, it's been uh, good so far. Yeah, now, uh, another big topic of conversation, of course, is the whole Line A at center experiment. And after the first game of the season where Line A and Fantilia were on separate lines, uh, Pascal Vincent switched things up again, put them back together, but this time with Line A at center, Fantilli on the wing, Texier on the other wing. Uh, now, for Saturday's game, of course, Line A hit, he suffered a awful dirty hit at the end of the Calgary game. Rasmus Anderson got a four-game suspension for it. Line A missed the Minnesota game. For now. Presumably. Can, for now. <laughs> yeah, for now. Uh, Anderson is appealing that, which is just bonkers. But uh, So Line A is out, presumably for a concussion. They, you know, it's the NHL, so they don't actually admit it. It's a concussion, but it's let's face it, it's a concussion. Uh, so we'll see how long he's out for that. So for Saturday, though, Fantilli moved back to the middle, still with Texier. Rosovic filled in on the other wing. Again, the line looked pretty good. Um, when Line comes back, do you put Fantilli back at wing? Do you put Line at wing, or do you split them up? Uh, I think the answer to your question is none of the above because Pascal Vincent's been pretty much doing a system where like Lion is taking the left draws and Fantilli is taking the right side draws. Like he's basically just dividing the team into forwards and defense and center is relatively meaningless aside from faceoffs. Uh, I probably want Fantilli. I actually haven't looked up their faceoff percentages. Uh, but I think, from what I remember, Line A isn't doing great in that regard. And, and Fantilli was not great at Minnesota. He was like the one guy that struggled in the faceoff circle in that game. But I'm not super concerned about it. But yeah, it's, it is yeah. what it is. Yeah, like I, I, I think the question of splitting them up isn't a question of whether Line A should be on the wing or Fantilli should be on the wing or stuff like that. I think it's a question of whether or not our center depth is better served with them on separate lines and our team depth is better served with Jenner as the third center instead of the second line center. Uh, and with how well things are going so far this year, like, I don't think until things start going downhill again, uh, like you don't need to worry about. Yeah. I think you just keep rolling with what's working. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I agree with that. And, and I, I like a lot about how the top three lines look at this point. Uh, so we talked about the, Fantilli line, and then you have Jenner with Gaudreau and Marchenko. 
which of course that's a combo that worked really well last year and they have been right back into form this year i feel like uh you know jenner has a hat trick already uh marchenko hasn't scored yet but he's been providing assists and he has been he's been buzzing so that that's going to be coming and then on the third line you've got uh kent johnson and cole sillinger and then they've had a few different wingers either justin danforth or emil bemstrom um but sillinger had a really really good game in the faceoff dot against minnesota uh, I feel like he has been getting better as the season's gone on. And you know, he was a guy that didn't have a great preseason. There's some question as to whether he'd go to Cleveland or not, whether he'd even be playing center or not to start. He's been moving around a little bit, but I think he's starting to settle in. I think KJ's a good partner for him. Uh, I kind of want to let this ride and let it continue to develop because I feel like progress is being made there. Am I off on that? I mean, no, yeah, this is a team that looks completely different than last year. Uh, I remember I had someone ask me uh, a couple of days ago, like, was Brad Larson ever 500 in like his entire NHL career? He was uh, in a season briefly. Actually, no, he was actually the first year, not too terrible. This is the first time the Blue Jackets have been above 500 since the morning of April 17th, uh, 2022. Uh, so, uh, like, Hey, I'm, I'm saying keep rolling with it. Uh, maybe try to tighten up that defense in front of Elvis or Martin a smidge. Uh, but beyond that, like it's been, it's been looking fine. Yeah. I mean, I had my concerns, especially in the, the Philadelphia and Detroit games where they just kind of got rolled for the second and third periods. Um, but you know, they were starting out well, every game, um, New York, they actually were able to convert on those chances early and they just held on to the lead for, for dear life. Um, but they gave up, you know, flute goals early against Philly and Detroit. And then things just kind of, they just couldn't get back into it. And against Calgary, Minnesota, we've seen a much better effort. And so I, I appreciate that we've seen this kind of progress from the team. I also feel like um, I like seeing the way that Vincent has responded to what the team is doing. Uh, and he's not afraid to correct very quickly. Um, you know, we saw big change in the roster from game one to game two, and it paid off. Uh, we've seen Eric Robinson go on waivers, which I don't think we saw. We want maybe wanted it to happen, but we didn't see it happening. Uh, Liam Foody went on waivers, and he got claimed by Nashville. That kind of, you know, it sucks, but also there are better options available in the organization now. So I don't, I think we, I don't think they wanted to lose foodie, but I think they could afford to lose foodie. Uh, you see, you know, Andrew peak has been scratched. David Yerchek got called up when Wierenski was hurt. Wierenski's back. Yerchek's still in the lineup because he's played really well. He deserves it. Uh, for as much as the fourth line has struggled, he has worked in different combinations of wingers and, you know, he's playing them fourth line minutes. So even for the struggles the Crowley line has had, it's minimized because they're not being forced to play a bunch like Larson did. The best players are playing the most, which uh, that's encouraging. And even someone like Goodbranson, who I've been kind of, you know, still hard on, uh, he's only been playing like the fourth most minutes of a defenseman most of these nights, you know, behind Wierenski, Provorov, Severs. Blue victories. <laughs> yeah, so... <laughs> It's, you know, and, and good Branson, he, he, I thought he was struggling against Minnesota, but he's been like not as awful as I thought he'd be. So 
Yeah, no, he's made a couple. He's good. Branson's made a couple good plays from the games I've seen. Uh, yeah, like he had that one sprawling two-on-one breakup against Minnesota that, like, I was actually like Loki kind of impressed by, and it was like, "You're Eric Branson. This shouldn't be happening." <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, I think honestly, the foodie stuff is interesting because I think so much of his like, I guess, reverence from the fan base is based on his performance in the bubble playoffs. Uh, like aside from that, he hasn't been great. Like he's been fine. He's a, he's a good serviceable bottom six forward, but like people are asked, like, I agree that we just have better options in the organization anyways. And we were probably going to lose him anyway. Uh, when Shinnikov gets off of uh, IR. Right. So uh, yeah, I'm not too concerned with the foodie thing. And honestly, like, this is, pr- like, I was skeptical of Vincent going into this. He's done about as well as I thought he has, uh, he or he could be. Uh, just because, like, the team is showing up to games. The team is playing well. Like, there's only been one game total where they've, like, three periods, the second and third against Detroit, and the third period against New York, where they, I would say they looked bad. Like, aside from that, they've been... Mm-hmm pretty much, I don't want to say dominating, but, like, they've been controlling possession. They've been getting the majority of shots. Uh, like, this team could reasonably be 4-1 and one right now, uh, which, yeah. it, like, I wasn't expecting <laughs> going into this, to put it bluntly. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think, yeah, things have been going well, uh, which is uh, something I'm not used to, but I will take yeah, and, and you know, and I think there's still going to be these growing pains, River. But I appreciate that after as bad of a game as the Detroit game was, uh, you know, they had three days off then, which you know I identified that as this could be an important stretch to fix things in practice. And after a full off day on Tuesday, on Wednesday, they had a really, really hard practice. You know, reporters were saying that you know guys were were bent over catching the breath at the end of it. They were doing, you know, one-on-one battle drills along the boards and then just skating laps and things like that. And I feel like you saw a totally different energy level against Calgary and Minnesota, and they sustained it for three periods. And they they dominated possession. They had an aggressive forecheck. Like, it was everything that you would want to see from this team. And, um, and I'm curious to see how long they can sustain that. But I feel like a level of accountability has been, has been set for this team uh, at this point. Yeah. Which uh, again, on one hand, that's really cool. But on the other hand, should it be really cool? <laughs> like, like what did Brad Larson do last year? Like a bunch of, a bunch of little comments like that. Uh, Wierenski and uh, oh crap. Who was the other one? It might yeah, have been, but, might have been yeah, yeah, I think just saying stuff about like how they, oh, we, we know what we're going to practice when we show up for practice. And it's like that. that, that Bruh, that's, 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 that's what practice is all about. Like, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. But hey, it, I, you know, in, in the grand scheme of things, I, there is a very high likelihood I won't end up being too mad about it because we got Johnny Hockey, we got Fantilli out of, sucking with our first year of Johnny hockey instead of like actually being good. So this team is set up. I'm, I'm 
this is the first time going into the start of a regular season where I can say I was genuinely nervous for this team uh, just because there was such a wide gap between what they could do and what they, uh, yeah, just between what, like their floor and their ceiling. Um, and like, obviously the ceiling right now is being five and zero, but like, in terms of like how they've played, this is about as this is honestly better than I expected, and about this like my best case scenario. So like, yeah, I'm I'm like it's to the point now where I'm actually like excited to watch this team, and like I'm watching them outside of games where I have to enforce to by being on this website and having to recap games. Um, which again, I, I like doing last year, but like it was a slog towards the end uh, where it's like, you know, this is a fun team to watch, which like even during the peak of the Taurus era wasn't necessarily always true. Now it is like, this is a fun offensive team offense in terms of like scoring uh, offensive right. team to watch. Yeah. Yeah, they are. And <laughs> Like I could, I could ha- handle them losing, but if they're at least scoring some goals, like there's something to enjoy. Like when they're getting shut out, like there's nothing to be happy about, really. Like wait a minute, where where, where are the goals here? So the fact they're doing, they've started to pick that up a little bit. Um, you know, yet yeah, especially against you know the Saturday games against New York and Minnesota, they really piled on the goals. So uh, hopefully we can see some some more efforts like those going forward. And and again, I'm not. I'm not expecting playoffs. Like if this is a 500 team, that's still a massive improvement over where they were last year. So uh, I'm just, I want to see that progress. I like seeing the kids getting a chance to play, uh, you know, moving things around the lineup in ways that make sense. Uh, Just learning from the experience and, you know, winning of some games along the way, you know, that's fun. So, all right. Uh, with the time we have left here, I wanted to sort of go position by position and talk about maybe what what has looked good or what has looked bad and maybe anything that has surprised you. So uh, let's start at the very back with the goaltenders. Uh, Elvis Merzlikens dealt with some illness. He had to leave the New York game early. Spencer Martin filled in uh, in the third period of that game and then against Detroit and against Calgary. Elvis was back in that against Minnesota. Um, so what has been the good and bad of the goaltending for you? And uh, are they playing at the level yet that you think is sufficient? Um, it, it's weird. It's been very on and off this year, I feel like. Uh, like Elvis, before he got sick, was absolutely on fire uh, for the Philly and Rangers. And just those two or is there a third one? It might have just been those two. Just those, uh, yeah. Uh, he looked really good there. Uh, Spencer Martin, uh, once he started filling in, did not. But then he looked good, uh, or people have been saying, I didn't watch the game, but he reportedly looked good against Calgary. And then Elvis came back and was mediocre against Minnesota. I wouldn't call him bad. Like, I would like him to have two of those goals back, uh, which now that I said it out loud is actually pretty bad. <laughs> um, but I don't know how much of that is him still dealing with the sickness. Uh, and whatnot. So, like, I wouldn't say it's an area of concern right now because, hypothetically, Tarasov will be back from injury soon. That should push Martin out of the lineup. 
and then Elvis will be over his injury, not injury, but like sickness bug. So like, I think it's definitely still something to be concerned about, but not, no, I mean, sorry, it's not something to be concerned about, but I am keeping my eye on it just because I think it's still a bit too early to tell, especially with those like weirder factors. Yeah. And I, I was okay with Elvis's performance on Saturday for the most part. I do think there was a rust there from all the time that he had off and being sick. And I understand that the numbers look bad and the fact that, you know, the jackets outshot the wild by so much and the jackets scored five goals. And yet, you know, it took five goals to win that game. Like, but I also feel like for the most part, there wasn't an issue. It's just, there were a few broken plays and those became goals. And yeah, there's maybe one or two you, you want to get back. And maybe that's just the case with him. But if we play defensively like that, where we're limiting the number of shots and the number of high danger shots, and if we're scoring enough goals, then it's not going to be an issue. It's not going to be what we want from Elvis, but it will be enough from him. But, uh, the fact that he didn't have his best game but still got a win should hopefully be a nice confidence boost. The Rangers game where he played really well despite being sick uh, is also a good sign. So uh, I hopefully here in this coming week he will get the bulk of these starts and hopefully can continue playing well and kind of build some confidence and get better and we'll see fewer, you know, four goal games and more games where it's just, you know, in the two to three goal range, which – uh, you know, even if he, if he's allowing three goals game, this team should be able to get by with that. I think. Yeah, if if he has a three point oh two point five GAA, like I'll be fine with that because, like you said, except for like against like Carolina or someone where like or Vegas with a very good teams that have a very good defense, uh, LA like will be we should be able to get like two or three goal, like three goals most nights. So, yeah. yeah. And then, and just clean up the defense in front of them and, you know, be sure you're getting the rebounds and be sure that you're, if you're not blocking a shot, then don't be shielding Elvis. Cause that has happened a few times. Uh, and that's frustrating where he just, he can't even see the shot. So, you know, I don't really want to put that on him um, on the defense. Uh, where, what are, what is the, the good and bad and surprising on the defense for you? Uh, I think, I think, you know, it's part of what you were saying of just like not making sure you're not screening your own goalie, cleaning up rebounds. But I think the bigger thing I've noticed is that our defense is better overall, but I feel like it's more mistakes prone than last year. Uh, and I feel like part of that is likely just due to having acquired two offensive defensemen who are kind of known to be mistake prone. So I guess this isn't like entirely unexpected. But uh, I think it's just an interesting, like, I would take it over last year's defense. Um, yeah. Like, I, it's still an improvement. I just think if we're able to clean up stuff like Severson's turnover yeah. in the Detroit game. Uh, that was ugly. Like, yep, that was something Jersey warned us about. <laughs> um, yeah, it was. And, that's the, and I think he's been mostly pretty good. Yeah. But yeah, there could be like one time each game where it's like, dude, what are you doing? And there was one against Philadelphia where he 
made like a sort of a drop pass to a teammate and it was like right in front of Elvis and it could have gone really, really poorly. It, it didn't. I think Elvis was able to get the thing out of the way, but it's like, dude, that's just a, that's a boneheaded thing. What are you doing? But, and I appreciate that despite him, you know, being this new player on a big, long contract after that bad pass against Detroit that led to a goal, he sat for the entire third period. Vincent was just like, that's, that's not acceptable. And, and Severson, you know, was, was fine with it. He admitted that that was, yeah, he, he screwed up. He had to pay the price for it. And, and so I, I can, I can accept that with him. Um, yeah. I, will I think say, that's kind of where we're at with the whole de- defense as a whole. We're yeah. like, we're looking pretty good most nights. It's just that we have a, like two or three blunders a game that's resulting in one or two goals against per game. Yeah. And, and, so, and, and Provorov has that up. Provorov hasn't been perfect, but I think he's been one of the more consistent defensemen. He's helped. He's just stabilized the back end a lot. I would say my biggest surprise is Jake Bean. I think Jake Bean has looked really solid. Yeah. Uh, he uh, got the, because I wasn't, again, because I wasn't watching the season opener, got the first goal graphic of the season, which I was not expecting. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and a really nice play on his part. Trailing yeah. the play, coming in, getting a rebound goal. It was perfect. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it, he's, he's impressed and the impressive thing, even more impressive thing. He's impressed with Eric Branson as his partner, Yeah, which, um, I mean, there've been several, uh, many, of the, I think even Wierenski was paired with good Branson at one point and did not look, I mean, he looked fine, but like yeah. Zach Wierenski, if you're looking fine, that's an issue, <laughs> but yeah, uh, I've been I've been impressed with Bean. He he was probably the one like I expected to give Branson to be on the opening night roster. If I in an ideal world, I'd be replacing Nick Blankenberg with him uh, or him with Nick Blankenberg. Right. But like after that, Bean was probably like the defenseman. I was most like, OK, you can honestly wave this guy and probably get away with it and have blanks in the lineup. And, you know, ha- I, I don't like. I still want Blankenberg in the lineup, but I legitimately don't know which defenseman you would clear for that situation. Like, I guess hypothetically, Andrew Peak, since he's the one that's been scratched a lot. And like Adam Boquist has been getting scratched a lot. And Boquist is a very good defenseman and a very good player. Yeah, and he's and been and he's finally actually got, yeah. Beans so. has made himself indispensable. Yeah. And I think it also helps that they're is less depth on the left side of the defense. So like when Rinsky was out, there was only Provorov and Bean as left-handed defensemen. So, uh, you know, that kind of, that helps his case, but I think he has played well enough that, you know, he's clearly in our, our top six this season. So um, I don't have an issue with that. I'm glad to see that he's, you know, bounced back like this from that injury that, you know, took him out for most of last season. And, uh, you know, I don't know that he's a long-term piece here, especially with guys like Matejuk and Svozil, but um, if he's at least improving his trade value, maybe, but, um, it's just good to see him come back and, you know, maybe a lesson that we shouldn't necessarily count guys out, uh, so quickly, but, um, onto the forwards, then I have to say my number one surprise is Justin Danforth. Uh, I mean, you mentioned about what like Texier brings to the lineup coming back. And I think that's true. I think Danforth is very similar um, but it's sort of like a bottom six context. And I think he helps any line that he's on. He definitely fit with skill players uh, on like a the third line, 
But then also here, last couple games, they dropped him down to the fourth line. And I think it helped make the fourth line a lot better. Um, and so, like, he's, I think, a top, he could be a top nine talent. But he he's also not, like, wasted on the fourth line. And if it makes the fourth line better, it just helps the entire forward depth. And he is, uh, I was looking this up, second on the team in uh, goal scoring. You know, who would have thought that? Boone Jenner has got four goals. And Danforth has three goals and uh, and one assist on the season. That's uh, pr- pretty good for, uh, for for what he is. Uh, what else has uh, impressed or disappointed you with the forwards? Um, yeah, I, I mean, I think those. I think him, uh, Texier, and Blankenberg are all kind of the same breed of player where they're not going to like be super flashy. Okay, except for Texier's one pass that was filthy. But most of the time, they're not going to be incredibly flashy. But like wherever you plug them into the lineup, they're going to be fast. They're going to be high energy, and they're going to help everyone else around them, make everyone else around them better. Um, so yeah, Danforth has looked really good. Texier, I have immediately refallen back in love with um, after his stint in Europe. Uh, and then, uh, aside from that, like I think everyone it's hard to like pick out single individuals because everyone has just been playing like slightly better than I was expecting them to. Uh, like Fantilli and line. A have looked really good together, uh, which I expected there to be some chemistry. I did not expect that line to be creating that many chances. The Jenner Marchenko draw line. I was honestly kind of skeptical with Jenner as that center between them. He's looked fine. He scored a hat trick, which was, yeah. I guess more than fine, but, uh, yeah, he's looked pretty good there. That third line, like, uh, while Danforth was with it, looked really good. And now that Cylinder's in that spot has also looked pretty good still. I think the one disappointment has been the fourth line uh, with Corrali and l- rotating cast of characters. Uh, I think, especially in the Detroit game, they were a real <laughs> um, liability. But, again, they're playing fourth line minutes, which, like, it's wild that we're considering that a major accomplishment, but like right. it, it's, it's been, they've like not been great, but like once Stanford got back, they were pretty good in the Minnesota game. Uh, so like, I think it's hard to pick out individual standouts. I mean, I guess Jenner, uh, cause of the hat trick, but um, it's, everyone is just playing slightly better than I was expecting. It's like, and a lot better than they were last year. Uh, so I think just rising tide lifts all ships type situation, which is, I was not expecting the tide to get this high necessarily, I guess. Yeah. The, uh, a, a couple of disappointments for me, although one has a bit of an asterisk that, that, that is uh, Jack Roslick who looked really bad in the fourth line role for his first couple of games. He actually got scratched for the New York game because frankly, he deserved to be Um, now against Calgary. He looked better because again, Danforth was on that line. And I think that helped that line a lot. And then with line a out that earned Rosovic a promotion to play on the Fantilli line. And he looked a lot better with that group. It seemed like that energized him. And then he got a really, really great goal in overtime to win that game. Uh, It looked like the jackets were going to, change after a long shift and then he 
took Minnesota by surprise and just skated it up ice right between them and, and sniped for the goal. Um, so that was encouraging to see him respond like that after some really bad games. But, you know, we've seen enough of Rosvick to know that sometimes these good stretches don't last. So um, for his sake, I hope that it does, but I'm not holding my breath for that. The um, other disappointment for me is Emil Bemstrom. Uh, I thought he deserved to make the roster out of camp. I was glad that he did. I was glad that he was getting top nine deployment, but I feel like he's been pretty invisible. He hasn't been like awful, but he's not providing the, you know, offensive skill that he's supposed to have. And my concern is that we've got guys that will be available soon. And I have, feel like Bemstrom is the forward then that is going to uh, be on the chopping block for that. Because, say, Igor Shinnikov, when he gets healthy, because he's a, get another top-nine winger type, and for as much as Bemstrom supposed to be the sniper, we've seen more of that from Chinikov at the NHL level. And Chinikov is a bigger guy. We saw him play really well away from the puck last year before getting hurt. So I think he's got to get in there. Dmitry Voronkov, uh, you know, has the right to go back to Russia if he's not in the NHL by the start of uh, January. So I think we'll see him by December. So Bemstrom, I think, needs to show me something very, very soon, or I think his time here might be coming to an end as well. Uh, yeah, uh, I agree. He's been kind of invisible, but also he's kind of in the same situation as Foodie, where like, I don't super care if we lose him. And honestly, uh, I'm surprised he's stuck around this long, considering he wears 52 and every player who wears a jersey number I wear gets traded <laughs> immediately. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, like, I like losing Bemstrom would not be the end of the world. I'd prefer if he clears waivers, but not. And also, the other depth piece in case we get crash of injuries again is we still have eric robinson in the system like he's not like he's obviously not the best at like shooting and offense and whatnot um but like he's still a like pretty decent nhl forward like for your bottom six if needed uh and if like we have a crash of injuries and then like he said we still have ron cough we still have uh ldbb uh we have fix Wolanski. we have people that can fill up in case of injury. So I'm not super concerned about losing people on waivers right now. Uh, I, I would still like to see, obviously, those guys improve. But, like, if they don't and we end up losing them on waivers, I don't super care. Yep. And it's like what we said coming into the season, like the with all these position battles and, you know, kind of crowded – room here uh the cream's gonna rise to the top and and that's better for the team overall and if there's a player that that falls short then well you know that just is what it is and it sucks for the player but ultimately better for the team because it just means that better guys are getting those minutes and that's what we've been seeing already over five games and the results have been better here towards the end because surprise you're icing a better roster and so the results are better it's like th this isn't rocket surgery you know uh, I, I'm just I'm just excited for the rest of the season at this point, which again, not what I expected to be, but I'll take it. <laughs> uh, one more thing, uh, I just realized I forgot to do one quick 
shout out to uh, Christopher. I don't know how to pronounce your last name. DeTwiller, DeTwiler, uh, for just being willing to interview me and reaching out and doing an article piece. Uh, just, yeah, uh, it was it was a cool experience. So thanks for reaching out, man. All right. Yeah, appreciate, I'll post the link in the description to the NHL.com article uh, where Roberkus is quoted there and talks about his experience. You can see pictures of that sign as it appeared on game day. So uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, we've got a busy week coming up with the Jackets playing on Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday and next Monday. Uh, hopefully some more wins in that time frame. And I'm sure a lot for us to talk about next week. So again, check out jacketscanon.com for all of our jackets coverage. Also check out for hockeyfans.com for coverage from all around the league. We've got a lot of great stuff up there as well. So thanks for listening and we will catch you next time. For more content from the Canon, check out jacketscanon.com or follow us on Twitter at CBJ If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and rate us wherever you listen to podcasts. Our theme music is the song Green Eyes by Angela Purley and the Howlin' Moons. Angela's new album, Turn Me Loose, is out now. Go to AngelaPurley.com for more music and show dates.